is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. You heard the man. This is the Steelers Standard. I am Tom Opperman. With me, as always, is Jacob Reck. It feels like we're actually talking about real football today on our episodes. We have at least a half of what I would look at as legitimate NFL football to break down for your Pittsburgh Steelers. And you got to start at the very, very top, which of course is the Steelers only punted the ball once in this game at the very beginning. We have no idea who the punter is going to be. No, I'm just kidding. We're obviously not going to start there. We might get into that very, very later on throughout these episodes. But you got to start with Ben Roethlisberger. Where else would you logically go? A perfect quarterback rating of 158.3 in the three series that he got to play against Detroit on Saturday night. Eight for 10, 137 yards, an average of 13.7 yards per completion. That's a much better number than we saw a lot of last year for Ben Roethlisberger. And two toddies, two toddies, no interceptions for Big Ben. What a flawless debut for Big Ben Roethlisberger to his 2021 campaign. I mean, I think flawless goes without in, saying in part with be- exactly because he literally had by the numbers a flawless performance, 158.3 pass rating. That is as good as you can get in the NFL preseason, regular season, postseason doesn't matter. That is as good as you can get. And that's exactly what you got out of Big Ben. Tom, I mean, I'm getting a little excited over here. I'm getting really it's, excited. It's it's, 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 some, it's a little tease, you know, just because it's the preseason. It's the, it's the Detroit Lions. It's not, it's not the real thing, but it's still it's tantalizing. It's something that we've been waiting to see, as you had said, the first real football we've kind of gotten out of the preseason because it's all the starters, including Ben, for the first time. We'll talk about the O-line later, but including those starting five as well. Oh, it, it just it made you lick your chops a little bit. It seems like the team's really coming together better than a lot of people anticipated. It seems like the offensive line, even though it won't be you know a world beater like it has been in recent years for the Steelers, it's still going to be, I think, average to just slightly below average. And Najee Harris is going to help clean up a lot of the messes that they make on that offensive line. So I think I'm feeling optimistic about that. Feeling very optimistic about Ben Roethlisberger, though. The heat that he was putting on these passes, especially the two passes to Pat Fryermuth for the touchdowns. Mm, I mean, those were Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. You're a top five, top ten quarterback in the NFL when you got that kind of heat coming off your arm. Making that kind of pass. Only certain guys can really have the accuracy and, with and that the, kind of speed. And the velocity on the ball. Exactly. Yeah, it's it was it was Vintage Big Ben, you saw that being thrown around all game Saturday night. Well, especially you want to talk, talk about vintage Big Ben? I feel like I know where you're going with this. The, is the play where Ebron dropped the ball? Ebron but Big Ben ball. stiff arm rolls out to his left, then he spins back to his right and puts it right in Ebron's bread basket. And unfortunately, Ebron had the the biggest bogey I think of the entire game on Saturday with that drop pass, but. The mobility in the pocket, the arm strength, the accuracy. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger looked phenomenal, uh, better than 
you saw most of the time in 2020, even including that 11-0 run where he looked pretty damn good at the beginning of the year. I don't know if he ever looked that good. The only game where I think he might have looked like that, ironically, was at the end of the year when he played the Colts and had that comeback in the second half. Well, that's even then, Big Ben. Because... Even then, I don't know if I saw that that kind of zip on his ball since the elbow injury in 2019. I mean, there was that pass. There was... There was a plethora of plays. Basically, every time he was out there, you were holding your breath to see, not in a bad way, but to see, okay, what is Ben going to do here? Because he just showed that he was, I think he was really excited to play. I think we all know that. He was a man amongst boys, too. Right. He just took, when he took the field, it felt very different compared to the first two offensive series you got out of the the. Cowboys game and the Eagles game when the first team if you want to use the air quotes to call them a first team took its first series against Dallas and Philly it felt good to see a Steelers team out there but it didn't have the same time kind of intimidation factor or or real factor to it yeah it, it felt like the number 24 rainbow car but it didn't feel like Jeff Gordon was driving it you know what I mean it felt like we had just some replacement guy kind of just you know going through the motions and it looked okay but it never really had that that extra oomph to it, that thing that got it over the top. Big Ben's that thing that gets it over the top and couldn't have gone any better for him. And talk about, I mean, we started with Ben, but moving, looking beyond that, kind of everyone on that first team offense just synced together. They played well. Mason Rudolph played really well in this game, too, and we'll get to that in a little bit as well. But, yeah, you're right. The whole first team on both sides of the ball, we'll talk defense in our next episode, but the offense, defense, they all looked like they were in regular season shape. I am biting my tongue a little bit here because I agree with you. I came away from Saturday night with the most optimism I've had in this entire training camp preseason process. I've always thought, you know, Steelers are kind of a fringy playoff team. Now I kind of see, you know, 10 wins is definitely something I think that can be attained. And I think a seven or a six seed wildcard spot is certainly uh, not just, you know, something that you can hope for, but something that you might be able to expect now based on what the Steelers looked like in that game. The things that are making me bite my tongue are, one, we have to wait and see what Ben Roethlisberger looks in week 12, week 13. That's a given. Because I mean, that's it, what it, happened last yeah, year. Exactly. That's, the, when the, that's when the cliff kind of came. And, and there's no way to know that the cliff is going to come until we go through this process and get there. Some factors going in Ben's favor. Better running game this year. Hopefully takes some wear away from his arm. And his bye week's not going to get ripped away from him and moved around, and then he's going to have to play like 16 straight games at the end of the season. That will not happen this year due to COVID. He'll be able to plan around that bye week and hopefully have some some good rest around that. The other thing, though, Jacob, I think the Lions might be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. They looked pretty bad. Their defense looked abysmal. I mean, obviously, Ben's going to carve that defense up. Mason came in, though, and got some run with the first team as well. And he started carving that defense up. I think the Lions might be bottom five in the NFL this year. And look, it's a two-way street. That's what you're supposed to do to a bottom five team if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. So check that box. You looked good. But I just don't want to get too overexcited because I think they just smallly whopped a really bad team. I That's why when we were talking about you want to bite your tongue a little bit or you want to pump the brakes. Pause just a second. Even though you love to see Ben out been out there and not only Ben be out there but go out and dominate the way he did it's still not real it's still preseason football and as great as it is to say yes he had a perfect day literally a 158.3 passer rating of a day it's still you have to hesitate Tom because 
go out there and do that in week don't, – don't even – I'm not saying you have to do it week 15, 16, 17, but do it somewhere in the middle of the season and in, in, in the heat of the season when teams are kind of starting to separate themselves from good, from great, and mediocre. Yeah. If Ben can do that somewhere down the line at any point, I'll, I'll say, okay, that's great. If he does it early on, you're, you're going to appreciate it. You're going to love it, but you're still going to say – I, I can expect Ben to go out there early at, at his old age and dominate at the beginning of a season when he his arm is very fresh. But I need to see some semblance of that. It doesn't have to be perfect, but I need to see something close to that or within that neighborhood of that in October, in November, in December. Well, I, I think we all also walked away from the game thinking, well, at least there's one win in the bank for the Steelers because I don't think there's any way in hell the Lions come in in November and beat the Steelers at Heinz Field yeah. in the regular season. So, if it is, it's going to be a, a heartbreak. I guess Jared Goff didn't play, but that's not really uh, someone that strikes that much fear into my heart, especially with a defense like the Steelers. So, yeah, at least you got one automatic win there. As far as Ben and making sure that that arm looks like it did on Saturday night, Week 12, week 13, week 14 in the season. I think a lot of that falls on leaning on that running game and committing to running the football a lot more. Najee Harris only had four carries, 10 yards, two and a half yards per carry. So not the best day for him on the ground, but he still looked like a good running back. Just even on the two yards, three yards that he got, he looked so tough to bring down. The big play was in the passing game for Najee Harris, though. Not only did he, you know, have a nice little route coming underneath, Ben hits him. Nice little stiff arm, stutter step, and then he puts on the Jets and goes down the sidelines for 40-plus yards. I mean, he showed his athleticism in that play, I think, more than we've seen throughout the three games that he's played so far. Definitely. I mean, yes, you were upset about the lack of running game by him, but that's what you came to see. If you were the Pittsburgh, if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, this is the one home preseason game you had. And before the regular season, when everyone was attending training camp at Heinz Field throughout the last month, everyone came to see Najee. Obviously, there are other players that are are, are, are fan favorites and, and attractive names to pay attention to. But Najee Harris is at the top of that list. Maybe even higher than Ben to a point because you know Ben. You've seen Ben for the last 18 years. You've never seen Najee Harris play in the with or with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And yes, he was lackluster on the ground, but that's the beauty of Najee Harris is some days he can have an off day on the running game, but he's going to make up for it in the passing game or vice versa. And that's exactly what you saw. Yes, he only had four carries for 10 yards, but he had one reception for 45 yards. But he he ended up having the most total yards on the team in the game. On a skill position player basis. And that's that's exactly what I want to see from Najee Harris. And, 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 and two, sorry, sorry, no, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, but no, go ahead. You, you will never, ever, ever see Najee Harris this season. I hope to God you will never see him get anywhere close to only four carries in a game. No, no, no. I, I don't think that's even going to be remotely a possibility. If you look at the box score, if you missed the game in the regular season, he had four carries. He got hurt. That's That's the reason why he got four carries in the game. Do you play him against Carolina, though? I'm kind of in the camp now where you don't. I know Tomlin said at the beginning of all of this he was going to play the rookies in all four of the preseason games because he likes them to get that kind of, you know, ramping up to the game, get get those mental reps under check. 
before the regular season starts. I've seen everything you could ever possibly need to see from Najee Harris. And like you said, more so than the other rookies, Kendrick Green, Fryermuth, he's so important, almost as important, if not more important than Ben Roethlisberger this year. I sit number 22 down for the Carolina game. It wouldn't shock me, Tom, if he does get one, one maybe series, two, maybe two. I, I'm aware. I, I think it's pushing it as well. And that goes back to, was it the Dallas game? Or I think it was the Philadelphia game where he had those two hurdles on, on back-to-back runs. Right. That's just not what you want to see out of him. But I feel like as a rookie, you need to you need to just get as much into the groove of real NFL football as you can before week one, especially when it's as daunting of an opponent as the Buffalo Bills are. Well, his uh, colleague in the rookie class, Pat Fryermuth, certainly had a coming out party against the Lions on Saturday. He only had two catches for 19 yards, but his feet came down in the end zone for both of those catches. So two touchdowns for Fryermuth from Ben Roethlisberger. You know, it was funny. Ben Roethlisberger was kind of joking. He was saying... I was really hoping to keep, you know, Fryermuth a big secret to the rest of the league because I'm seeing what he's doing throughout camp and practices, and I didn't really want to tip my hand at this new weapon that I have. Oopsie daisy, I kind of blew that on Saturday against Detroit. I still think Ebron's going to be your lead uh, tight end. I still think he's going to get more targets, more receptions. Uh, he had four catches for 59 yards to lead receivers in yardage against the Lions. Should have had five catches, had an easy one go right through his hands. But I think Fryermuth's going to be the guy that vultures all the touchdowns away. I think Ebron's more of your middle-of-the-field kind of guy. He'll run wide open. He's bigger, creates so many mismatches. Nice 15, 20 yards in the middle of the field. Once you get in that red zone, though, I really think Fryermuth's going to have a 6-7 touchdown kind of year now. I, I think, you know, at, f- at first I said, yeah, 3-4, that makes sense for the rookie. But just looking at how Ben had all of the options he could ha- he could want other than Claypool, of course, on the field in those two touchdown scenarios, and he was going to Fryermuth both times, and it wasn't exactly like Fryermuth was wide open like we alluded to. Ben really threw him open, put a lot of trust in that rookie to come down with the ball, and he did both times. Stock way, way up for Fryermuth. I know he's supposed to be a blocker, but how could you not get excited about the pass catching and playmaking you saw? And that's what he did at Penn State the best. I think he had, what, in his entire career there, one drop in the red zone or, or in the end zone when targeted, and that's exactly what you saw out of him on, on Saturday night. And, yeah, I mean – it's hilarious that Ben says, I wanted to keep him a secret. And then on your two out of your three offensive series that Ben's out there, he's targeting Pat Firemuth in the end zone. Well, the tough part about trying to keep him a secret, if he's as good as you're saying he is, Ben, is he's going to be open in the end zone in the preseason. You can't just not pass it to him. Absolutely. And, and it, But I don't even know if he was that open, Tom. I mean, he kind of threw no, that it ball was a ben, traffic. It was a Ben throw him open. Only person that could catch the ball was Fryermuth. And Fryer let's Muth. not forget, Fryermuth almost had a third touchdown catch. It was Mason Rudolph at the quarterback, and he kind of made an errant throw. It was nearly intercepted. It kind of threw it right into the defender's hands without realizing the second guy was there. But if that second guy wasn't there to make that n- near interception, Pat Fryermuth could have had three touchdowns yeah. on the day, all in the first half. The drop from Ebron really kills you, though, right? Because well, yeah, that's I mean, the thing that's holding me back from saying this might be one of the best tight end tandems in football this year. But the fact that I just anytime Ebron's open, it's really not a guarantee he's going to catch the ball, even if he's wide open. So I think that's where I hesitate a little bit, and I think that's where I think there is some wiggle room for. Uh, although I said I expect. Ebron to be more of your, you know, go-to tight end as you're working the ball down the field, Fryermuth more of a red zone kind of guy. 
there is definitely a chance in my mind now that Fryermuth halfway through the season is out there more than Ebron is when you're only running one tight end with the offense. I'm totally fine with that. In terms of blocking, in terms as a receiving option, I think he's on. He's already a better blocker in the pass and run game than, e- yeah. than Ebron is. Yeah, and give him some time, and I think he's going to be a better receiving option. First of all, look at his hands. As we, I just, think they're better than Ebron. As yeah. we just said, he caught both of those balls in the middle of the end zone, kind of with a guy tailing on him. Didn't matter. He hits a high point, the one. Uh, and he kind of bobbled it before he came down with it, but he came down with it. Uh, right. Ebron had a full ball to his chest right on the numbers. There was no defender hand in the way and dropped it after a miraculous effort by Ben. Kind of reminded me, it's funny that the ball went to Eric Ebron, kind of reminded me of that play in Super Bowl Forty Three that Ben threw to Heath Miller just for a simple first down. Ben ran, I think, about 50 yards back and forth up and down that sideline, or up and down the, the two sidelines before he scrambled to get <laughs> the ball to Heath for a simple first down. And that's exactly the same thing that happened to Eric Ebron. It's just the fact that Eric Ebron dropped the ball. As far as the other receivers go for the Steelers, Deontay had the big 43 yard a catch in this game. Nice to see him make such a big impact. His only target and only catch on the day. That man is perfect as far as converting targets this year, though, Jacob. Still no drops for Deontay Johnson through the preseason. Very, very encouraging. Obviously, it's a different story when you go up to Buffalo and Tredavious White is hitting you and Poyer's in the sec- in the secondary hitting you. Yeah, different, different circumstance, even from the Lions starters who just aren't as good as that. But so far, encouraging from Deontay Johnson. Juju's got to be so mad, though, right? I'm kidding, obviously, but five catches for 39 yards and 7.8 average. That's slot receiver work right there, baby. That's 7.8 yard average. But he's getting the significant calls. And he got a big first down in that game. Got a big first at the end of the game, exactly. And Billy said said it, if you need a first down, you go to Juju Smith-Schuster. That's the way Steelers are going to operate this year. Look, he's going to have games that look like that. He's going to lead the team in catches. He did in this game against the Lions. He had five. Ebron had four to come in second place. He tied for the most targets. Ebron had six, and so did Juju Smith-Schuster. I think you're going to see that a lot where he leads the team in catches in a game, but he does not lead the team in yards in that game, and his average is going to float around that 8, 9, 10 range in each given Sunday because that's exactly where he's best, in that slot, carving out those little 10-yard gains and and just paper-cutting teams to death down the field. So I know that's not going to help him when he hits the open market again after this season, but tough nuts because it helps the Steelers really well when you're just dominating in that slot like you did against the Lions and like you will throughout the regular season. You're you're one of the best slot receivers in football, Juju. It's time to embrace it. It's time to embrace it, and it's kind of frustrating too. I mean, it has nothing to do with us because we don't expect Juju to be here next year right. as a receiver option for the Steelers. But We said that last year, though, to be fair. You're right. But I think but I we're think right now, this time. Now I think we're on it. And I don't understand how we can see it and we can give it plainly to tell it plainly to him that we, we recognize that you won't be with us. We're going to why not let us help you manage your game or, or, or separate yourself as a as a number one slot receiver option. Let us market you as that so you can then create the market for yourself. You're basically the market. There's no one else out there. Right. And how, how is it possible that this team can recognize it? But he can't. The man can't. I think he can, and I think he is, and I think he will. And, I, you know, I think people just say stuff in that, and people are going to put a lot of weight into what he said in the offseason where he wanted to play on the outside more. 
you know, that's fine. You can say you want to play on the outside more and you can really want that, but you can also do your job that you're told to with a smile on your face, which I absolutely expect out of Juju. You know, one thing that I think gets misconstrued with him with all the off-field stuff, the man works on Sundays. The man has two catches for 10 yards, and the Steelers win by 20, and he is laughing and TikToking in the locker room, and he couldn't care less about his performance. So as far as, you know, his focus and doing what he's told and on the field on Sundays, you know, doing what the coaches say, you got no worries when it comes to Juju Smith-Schuster in that category. And I think that can get a little twisted sometimes with, you know, people like to bring in the off-field stuff and say, oh, he's not focused, blah, blah, blah. It, when it comes to game time on a Sunday he does what he's told he does it with a smile on his face and he's an ultimate team player but Jacob we're calling him the best at something like it's not like we're saying you got to be in the slot because you're just not good anywhere else no we're putting you in the slot because you're just so damn good at that position you are bigger than most of the safeties and corners in this league but you're also strong enough to run with a linebacker or bang with a linebacker you're you're a unicorn Juju embrace it you need to embrace that part of your game now and yeah maybe you only average nine yards per catch but man you're gonna again it's that julian edelman death by a thousand paper cut kind of thing that you got going on absolutely tom i think you hit the nail right on the head it's just the frustrating part as i said earlier is the fact that he's not seeing that and i don't know what you've seen out of him to think that he can recognize that because Personally, I haven't seen anything like that. I know he's a great team I player. guess the only thing I'm seeing is he's that he's a, lining up in the slot. Well I, well, I guess he's agreeing to it, yeah. But I know he's a great team player. No one does it better when it comes to supporting teammates than Juju Smith-Schuster. I agree Every with that. year, every, or every touchdown last year, when he was on the field for it at least, if it was Claypool getting the the touchdown or Ebron or, or Deontay or even James Washington, Juju was right there to celebrate. With Who him. was the first person to meet Firemuth in the end zone on his first Was touchdown. it Juju? He was bowing at his feet. He loves it when his teammates Juju score. loves the theatrics as well, so he's going to yeah, show right. off a little bit like that, be a little flashy with it. But, yeah, it doesn't matter who's catching the ball. He's excited for his team. He's a great team player. I'll give you that. But it, it's still kind of it's, it's questionable why he can't figure this out. I mean, if he's such a good team player, why can't he recognize that this is his role, not just on this team, but in this league as the number one slot receiver available to anyone? Moving on to the big boys up front, the biggest key for the Steelers having success in 2021, we saw what we think is going to be, excuse me, the starting offensive line from left to right in this game against Detroit, Chooks, Dotson, Green, Turner, Banner. Finally seen some action from Zach Banner in the preseason. Very encouraging. He played about 12 snaps. I think he played the least out of all of the starters. Uh, he was but looked okay. replaced by Dan Moore Jr. And he looked okay. I mean, he was able to get to the second level on a nice run. And Ben stayed clean the entire time he was out there. And then an extension of that, Mason stayed clean the entire time he was out there too. So did a good job in pass protection as well. So Zach Banner, good little start. The Dan Moore thing, although I think that he is, you know, he's doing a lot better than they expected, I think the coaching staff did. But I think him coming in isn't a case of, you know, Dan Moore's pushing Zach Banner a little bit. More of a, all right, Banner, you got 12 plays. We're going to ease you back into this thing because pretty bad injury you're coming off of last year, and it's been lingering at the start of this camp. Linger, linger. So we're just going to try to ease you into things. I don't think you read too much into Dan Moore pushing uh banner but you should read into Dan Moore pushing to be the sixth man off the bench because I think he's got that job right now I'm glad you made that final point because I was gonna agree with you on the fact that it's not more it's not about banner losing the job to Dan Moore 
However, you can still have a separate conversation about Dan Moore being that sixth guy. And you want him out there with the other starters line. because right. of that. Right. And it's funny, Tom, because now we're here. We're, it, was, uh, it was August, what, 21st that we finally saw all five guys that we expect to see for the majority of the season as starters, regardless of injury. You, you hope it's regardless of injury. August 24th, it, August 21st is the day that it finally happened. But here we are two days later saying, well, I wouldn't hate to see Dan Moore out there. We finally got the starting five, but I still really like this guy, Dan Moore Jr. The one thing, though, that you have to hesitate about getting him out there is the fact that you would have two rookies on your offensive line together. That is something Mike Tomlin rarely does, starting one rookie. To have two out there is a unicorn, essentially. I, I do agree with that, and I also think that Chooks, Banner, whoever has the worst year as a starter, could lose, could that lose it in the job. middle of the season, oh, first okay. of all. But then next year, I think Dan Moore is going to come in. I think Dan Moore is going to be a starting tackle next year on this team. Okay, it's so just I a matter of who say, he replaces. I'm surprised you went as early as in the middle of the year. I, was I don't know say, if that's going to happen, but it it could if Banner or, or Chooks are just playing like crap. Like, And you have a guy on you. If you're in if practice Dan, and seeing if, Dan Moore play well, you have to play him. If Dan Moore is playing as well as he has played so far in the preseason and Chooks or, and or Banner kind of fall off a little – I don't think it has to be that significant of a of a fall for them. I think the the promise of a Dan Moore Jr. exceeds the the stability, if you will, or the familiarity you have already with Banner or Chooks. Look for Trey Turner to really be a leader on that offensive line. I know that's tough when you come in from a different team and first year in Pittsburgh, but it's not like he's coming in on an incumbent offensive line. He's a new piece as well as a lot of other new pieces. I saw Ben talking to him a lot pregame. I see him talking to him a lot in practice. Look for Trey Turner to be Ben be Ben's kind of sounding board. And and I think that makes sense because the next Marquis bouncy in a way. Not not that much, but just, you know, the guy that Ben can, can really relate to. Because I think he looks at him as this guy's been to the Pro Bowl three times. This guy's a, a veteran in this league. You know, the only reason people aren't as high on him is because of his knee injury last year. So look for Trey Turner to really emerge as, you know, maybe not that vocal leader like a Marquise Pouncey, but kind of the guy that all the line looks to and Ben has his full trust in because you're not going to do that with number 53, Kendrick Green. I mean, I, I think Ben's going to trust him, and I think as the season progresses, Kendrick Green's role will grow and grow and grow. But you just uh, – it's just so tough when you're a 16-year veteran like Ben. 18. 18-year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to you're, break a, in you're a essentially 20 years older than this kid. I haven't broken in a rookie center in over a decade. So, I mean, that's, that's where I kind of view him maybe leaning towards the guy to his right, number 51, as the, hey, you know, try to help Green out a little bit here. You know, if he's, if he's not calling a, a, a shift in the protection that he should, maybe tap him on the ass, maybe you call it yourself. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Turner have to fall into that leadership role a little bit this year. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me at all. And, and look at the relationship that Ben had with Marquise Pouncey. Only... What he's only five, six, seven years older than Marquise, mm -hmm. and he's I think pretty much close to twenty years older than Kendrick Green. That's going to be a lot. That's 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 a lot. That's a lot older than the age disparity between some coaches and players. I mean, look at Sean McVay on the Rams. Yeah, he was younger than some guys on the team, some veterans on the team. That's how young he was. Look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, when he first started, he was what thirty six years old. 
he was pretty much the same age as some of the veteran guys in that squad as well when he first came in in 2007. Ben is nearly two decades older than Kendrick Green, so it's going to be a lot easier for him to, to bond with Trey Turner. Kevin Dotson, he played the most out of all the starters. Still a little doghouse thing going on there, keeping him in longer, or just let the kid work? I think it's let the kid work. I, I think it is, too. He looks amazing when he pulls, too. He had one play where he pulled. He's so fast, so athletic. He's going to be the best lineman on the team this year. No question about it. I, like I, I just so. Turner will be the leader, but he'll be the best lineman as far so. as skill is concerned. On the next episode of Steelers Standard, we flip things over to the defensive side of the ball. A dominating performance from the Steelers starters against the Lions. We'll get into that next. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman. You are listening to the Steelers Standard right here on Steelers Nation Radio, or you can find the podcast at Steelers.com.